Hello everyone and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for April 8th, 2019. Uh, I am Katni. I am sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. CircuitPython is a version of Python that runs on microcontrollers, which are tiny computers. Um, this meeting is a chance for us to get together every week and talk about what we've been doing, talk about the community, um, talk about the state of CircuitPython, and just a chance to sync up um, and, and chat. Uh, so this meeting is run in multiple parts. Uh, the first part is community news. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to highlight some interesting and fun things going on in the community, um, the CircuitPython community and the Python community in general. Uh, the next section is State of CircuitPython and the Libraries, where we will do a statistical overview of uh, the state of the core project and the state of the libraries. Um, it's just a chance to see where things are at um, and see how things are going uh, and just get an overview of, of all of that. The next section is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance to call people out for doing something good. Um, this is something that doesn't happen often enough, and so we, every week, when we get together, take the time to um, just call somebody out for uh, something good that they've done. It is running around Robin, so we will get to everybody. Um, everyone will have a chance to um, either talk or uh, type their hug reports in. The next section is status updates, where you can take a couple minutes and talk about what you've done over the past week since the last meeting, and talk about what you're going to do over the next week until the next meeting. Um, again, this is in a round robin. We'll get a chance to talk to everybody. Uh, and the very last section is in the weeds, where we talk about anything that requires more long-form discussion. Um, if you have any in the weeds topics, you can feel free to type them into the chat or add them to the notes at any time during this meeting. This meeting is recorded. Um, we record the audio and we record uh, the Discord chat. Um, so be aware of that, that, that it's being recorded. We post the video on YouTube and we post um, the audio to podcast services. So uh, check out the podcast if that's something you're into. And if you find that it is not available on your favorite podcast service, please let us know. Uh, and with that, um, let's go on to community news. Okie dokie. Hello. Hello. Got some, hi. Um, some stuff came in this week and more. Um, CircuitPython.org is our new site where you can not only download the latest firmware on CircuitPython.org, but you can get some handy links up at the top that we all use um, either in the community or developing CircuitPython or um, things like circuitpython.org um, slash awesome is a new link. And that goes to our awesome list, which has everything about CircuitPython. We often get asked like, oh, what is the best resource? Or what is books? Or what is it all? Where, where can I find more about anything? So we have an awesome list. And it's linked there. Um, we now have 47 boards. And this is boards that have all the information. So congratulations, everyone, Hug Reports. Uh, 47 boards run CircuitPython. Um, we also added a flag in the um, boards. If you go into GitHub and see, there's some that say false. That's for ones that we don't have information yet. Or um, in Adafruit's case, maybe we 
don't want to put ones in that list quite yet. So we'll be using that. So you'll see some uh, disappear and some come back. Um, that feature is live as like an hour ago. Um, newsletter updates. Oh, sorry. One more thing for circuitpython.org. We added features. So if you go to circuitpython.org slash downloads and you click the um, little advanced search, looks like a bunch of little sliders, you'll see all of the features that we started on the board. So we want to keep it to a concise list. At, it's under 10, so we have like nine. We might add more later, but if anyone wants to see if they would have a feature that makes sense that we'd have to maintain over time um, to make it easier for folks to search, check that out. Um, all this is in the newsletter, but um, you can look at that as well. Um, newsletter updates, um, we had some uh, folder file maintenance, so we made it easier for us behind the scenes going forward. Um, turns out GitHub has a 1,000 file limit on directory folders. So we just had to, uh, which is good for us because that means that we had tons and tons of content. So we now have dated folders in there. So we'll be good for the next 300 and something years. Um, we also changed a little bit about how we do the newsletter. So if you look at the draft link in the notes, you can now see the images. So um, for folks who like to see a sneak peek of the newsletter, or if you want to contribute to it, you could do that um, right there. That's the latest week that's on the 4.9 um, in there. And there's also um, the GitHub repo that uh, is in the bottom of the newsletter if you want to contribute. Um, we're still going with 8.8, a CircuitPython day. Um, we might change it every year, but this year it's August. Um, looks like snakes, and it's, it's, it's not a date that happened in the past. So um, if anyone has a specific thing they'd want to do in their area, uh, let us know. We'll probably do something online and videos. Um, we'll probably just spend the day um, celebrating projects, people, and more. Um, so if you have anything that you want to do, let us know. Um, I'll put out a formal thing on our website later, but this is for our community notes. Um, our, our friends over at Python Discord just celebrated their 15,000th uh, member. So check out their server. Um, you can go to the URL pythondiscord.com. And this is a place we wanted to partner with them because there's a lot of people who want a bunch of Python assistance in addition to um, some of the things that we offer. So we have CircuitPython stuff, and it's mostly around electronics. But if you want an entire community devoted to all things Python, um, they have 15,000 people. They just did a video. And um, congratulations to our friends at Python Discord. Um, and then uh, last up, congrats to Nina. Uh, Nina is uh, keynoting at PyCon. And the topic is the joys of Python on embedded devices. And Nina will be talking about um, a lot of CircuitPython stuff and more. So we're excited about that. If you're going to PyCon, you probably already know there'll be a special edition CircuitPython brought to you by DigiKey, who helped us get 4,000 Circuit Playground Expresses running CircuitPython to, um, to PyCon. In fact, I have to leave and work on that now because we have to flash them. And that's the community news. All right. Thanks, Phil. Bye. Bye. So next up is the state of CircuitPython and the libraries. So overall, with uh, and this refers to the core and to um, and to the libraries, we had 21 pull requests merged by 10 authors. Um, new names that I don't recognize are S. Conway, Doc Molo, and Stephen Bruyanen, um, which is amazing. Three new three new people is fantastic. Um, we're always happy to have new contributors uh, and eight reviewers, which is also excellent. Thank you to everybody who's been reviewing. Um, we had 16 issues closed by six people and 12 opened by 10 people. So we are net down, which is also excellent. 
So overall, we're on a steady pace towards release candidate. We're trying to hunt down the last few bugs to get to release candidate. Um, please test. That's the best thing you can do right now to help us out is um, test our current uh, pull request, test the current code, um, try uh, beta six, I believe. Um, and just make sure that it works with your projects, make sure it works with what you're doing. And if it doesn't, file an issue. Um, even if it turns out to be something with your project, it's okay. Um, we still would like to know and would like to be able to make sure that it's not related to bugs that we're finding because the more reproduction that we can have, the easier it is for us to hunt those down. Um, and also we are adding all kinds of new libraries uh, for new hardware, especially displays. So that is um, another place that you can uh, help out and test um, is all the new libraries that are coming in. Uh, you can actually test those with the new um, latest CircuitPython as well. Um, and hopefully uh, we don't find any bugs, but if you do, um, again, please let us know. So with that, um, I will hand off to Scott to talk about the core. Thank you, Katni. Uh, all right, for uh, the core side of things, we had uh, five pull requests merged from three different authors. Uh, myself, Dan, and maker Melissa, who I just want to give a shout out and say, uh, Melissa, it's been awesome having you work in the core. Um, super happy to see you there and making all sorts of good improvements. And I'd love to see more people. So if you're interested in getting your feet wet in the land of C uh, that is underneath CircuitPython, let me know. I'm always happy to guide people there. Would love to get more people contributing to the core. So if you're interested in that, let me know. Uh, we have 13 open pull requests. Uh, they're listed in the notes doc. Um, typically, we're about eight, uh, eight kind of remaining ones. So there's a few that we could take a look at. Uh, one way to help with that is just to take, uh, build your own and test it, uh, test pull requests. It's always handy as well. Um, and maybe we'll have automated test builds in the future, but we currently do not. Um, Issues-wise, we had five closed issues by one person and six open by five people. So uh, we're right around neutral, which is always good, uh, for a total of 158 open issues. And there's a link to those issues in the notes doc. Um, we have six active milestones, uh, two that we kind of focus on. One is the 4.0 Bluetooth milestone, which has eight open issues. And uh, we also have two issues that are not assigned a milestone. So uh, we're having around eight, um, but we're working really hard to get that down to zero so we can do a release candidate. Um, we're okay adding stuff, so if you do find issues with beta 6, let us know. Uh, we want to make sure 4.0 is solid. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll get that to zero eventually, uh, hopefully soon. Um, Download-wise, we had stats by board. I will not read off by board, uh, but they're both for 3.1.2 and 4.0 beta 6. And our total downloads for each is uh, 10,769 for 3.1.2. And uh, we broke uh, 1,300 for with uh, 1,396 downloads of beta 6. So um, getting more and more testing done for that, which is great. Um, we have download stats by language. Uh, and we most of the beta 6 downloads are English. Um, and then kind of the next tier are Spanish, French, German, and uh, pirate <laughs> language are the kind of the next tier of that. Uh, if you want all the details, check the notes. And that's it for the core. Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. So next up, we'll talk about the libraries. Uh, we had 16 pull requests merged from eight authors. Uh, our three new authors are included in that. Uh, so thank you again to S. Conaway, Doc Mallow, and Stephen Brianian. Uh, 
Uh, we had seven reviewers, and thank you to everyone who's been reviewing. It's um, super helpful. Obviously, we can't merge PRs without reviews. Uh, we have 24 open pull requests. Uh, I know there's a few in there that are sort of long-term, but there are definitely many that are not. So if you're interested in getting started helping out with stuff and you have any of these sensors or breakouts, um, feel free to pull that up and test the code. Um, if you if you do that, leave a comment in the review so we know, and uh, definitely uh, it's a huge help. Um, we had 11 issues closed by five people and six opened by five people, so we are net down for a total of 96 open issues. Uh, both the list of PRs and the list of issues is contained in the notes document. And below that, we have a series of um, issues uh, that are repo level issues. Um, problems with uh, something with the repo itself, um, and also um, lists of things that need releases, that sort of thing. Um, so take a look at those. Uh, we currently are not updating the CircuitPython library tracking issue because there's an issue with GitHub where it's not letting me update it. So it is definitely behind. So we don't at the moment, other than the notes, um, have an aggregate place with uh, all of these listed. So if you're interested in helping out, feel free to contact me. That's information that I can pull up by running um, the script myself. And I can definitely uh, point you to some things that you could do to help out and get started. Um, so that is where we are at with the libraries. Next up is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance for you to call someone out for doing something good. Um, we took this from an internal Adafruit meeting uh, thing. They do a meeting each week, and they include hug reports uh, from whoever to whomever. And um, we thought that it was an excellent thing, so we're, we included in our meeting. Uh, it will go as a round robin. I will start, and then we will go down the list alphabetically, loop back to the top, and um, everyone will have a chance to um, to give a hug report. Um, if you're lurking, please let us know. We can skip over you. If you don't have a microphone, feel free to type in your hug report and I will read it off and we will get it into the notes. Um, and I think that about covers it. So I will get started and then we will continue on. So first of all, I wanted to say uh, a hug report to Summersoft for a complete refactor of Adabot. Uh, she's looking great. There were files that were definitely getting out of control, and uh, it is definitely much cleaner and easier to uh, read. Um, and for a discussion, another hug report for a discussion about the upcoming plans for the libraries page on the circuitpython.org site. I'm looking forward to another amazing script to keep that page updated with the latest info. Um, I want to give a hug report to Hackaday for the great hack chat we had last week. Um, thank you very much for hosting. That was a lot of fun. Uh, a hug report to Carter for help with an Arduino sketch and for figuring out a problem with the hardware that I never would have figured out. Uh, it saved me hours of wondering why the hardware thought it was 46 degrees in my house. Um, I want to give a hug report to Moving Electrons for our first community contribution to the Python on Microcontrollers newsletter. That is why we post it in um, GitHub is so it's available for people to contribute to and we uh, had our first contribution. Um, I want to give a hug report to Maker Melissa for all the display work, to Scott and Dan for all the bug hunting and destroying that they have been doing. Um, 
there has been some real crazy bugs, um, hard to find, hard to reproduce, um, and then once reproducible, uh, hard to fight, and they have been sticking with it. Um, so giant hug report there. And a group hug to everyone who's been testing CircuitPython. Thank you for helping us find and squash more bugs on the road to release candidate. Um, and then next up is maker Melissa. Okay, can you hear me? I can. Oh, good, then it works. Um, okay, a hug report to Tanu uh, for reviewing my PR so quickly. I went to Deshipu for thoughts on Display.io. A hug report to Katni for answering more of my questions. Um, one for Dan for your help here and there with various things and your great write-up about the win module. And Jerry for great work moderating on Discord. All right, thank you. We have some lurkers, which is excellent. And that means next up is Sedacious. Uh, hey, I just want to give a quick hug to Lamore and Katni for helping me out with uh, fritzing stuff and guide work. It was very helpful. Thank you. All right. And next up is Summersoft. who is text only. So, um, hug report to Katni for all the behind the scenes PyCon prep, to JW Cooper, Phil, Dan, and Scott for continued work on circuitpython.org, uh, to the folks over at the Python Discord, I think the partnership is working well and they hit 15,000 members today, congrats to them. And a group hug for being awesomely awesome. And next up is Scott. Hello. Um, wanted to say a thank you to you, Katni, for your continued prep to PyCon. Uh, it really takes a load off my brain to have you doing such an awesome job uh, getting that all orchestrated, including the cool demos, which I think everybody's going to really like. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, shout out to Nina for keynoting PyCon, uh, talking about Python and embedded devices on Sunday. Um, that's going to be super cool. I'm very excited for her. She does a great job speaking. Um, thank you to Hackaday for hosting us for our third Hack Chat. It's kind of an annual thing for us, and it uh, went really well this time, so thanks to them. Um, again, a shout-out to Moving Electrons for their con contribution to tomorrow's newsletter and a reiteration that, um, folks, if, if you find really interesting Python things or have news or projects that you've done, uh, we'd love to see them in the newsletter that goes out to, I think, 4,000 people now uh, every Tuesday morning. Uh, you can sign up at adafruitdaily.com. Um, but we do really want that to be community-contributed newsletter. So if you're interested in doing authorship like that, let us know, and we'll get you ramped up on that. Um, and then lastly, uh, shout out to Lemon, one of the moderators over at the Python uh, Reddit slash Discord. Uh, it's been a very fruitful... Uh, <laughs> partnership so far so uh excited to see that go even further and, and uh, we've seen a lot of cross-pollination with between their discord server and ours and it's worked out really well so uh, thanks to them for putting time and effort into grooming their own community there as well all right that's it excellent so i want to jump real quick to uh sag attack who is text only um and who said, hugs to Maker Melissa for help with the ST7735. 
And with that, we jump to Brent. Hello, um, hug report to Katni for the PyCon demo code and preparation. I'm excited to run it when I get there. Um, or before, actually. Dan for discussions about, and Ishiku for discussions about asynchronous um, operations of CircuitPython. It's really interesting to see that progress. It was one of my like wants for 2019 when we did that list a few months ago. And it's good to see it being picked up again. And for the CircuitPython team working closer to 4.0 release candidates. All right, thanks. Uh, Carter is lurking, so next up is C. Grover. Hello, um, a group hug to the CircuitPython team and community as usual. I'm still pretty inspired and motivated and very humbled, so thanks. All right, excellent. Uh, next up is Charles. Well, I've got a group hug for everybody. Yeah, I'm, it's the same old group hug because I'm still getting the same wonderful benefits from the just listening to this group. Thank you. All right, excellent. Next up is Dan. This is what I like. Hi, sorry, phone call. Um. <clears throat> <clears throat> Did you just call on me? I stepped out of the room. I did call on you, yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no worries. Uh, so I'd like to thank uh, God for tracking down a bunch of really hard to track down bugs. That was great. And to Deshi Poo and Maker Melissa for doing all kinds of great work on display IO, supporting new devices, and thinking about initialization and a whole bunch of things that just are cleaning up a lot of um, rough edges and filling holes. That's really good. Thanks to TAC for uh, fixing some stuff with tiny USB having to do with USB disconnect, which uh, was causing CircuitPython to hang if you pulled the plug, USB plug and still had power. Uh, thanks to um, DeshiPoo for conversations in this issue about um, some holes in my understanding of async await, await. And also to you, Katni, for all the PyCon work you really like managing this, and we're going to have a really great, smooth bunch of things to do, uh, presentations and material there. That's really great. Thank you. You are welcome. All right, next up is Deshipu. Just general thanks to everybody who's working on closing all the bugs and finding new bugs. It's getting to be a really stable release. I'm excited to see that. Excellent. All right, next up I have uh, someone in the notes doc only who is not in the meeting, um, but I will read them off. Uh, that is Drew Fustini, and uh, he says, hugs to S Lite for additional PR improving Pocket Beagle support in Blinka and for writing a nice Blinka test scripts for the Pocket Beagle, and to Haltco, Gustavo Renega, for Beaglebone testing. Uh, next up is Jason P. All right. Well, thank you to AT Makers Bill for the Pi Portal wedge box and Thingiverse. It's become the new Pi Portal. And I also want to say thank you to uh, Cater for what will become an awesome display I.O. 
documentation, although that feels a little passive aggressive because it feels like I'm sort of encouraging it to happen sooner, which I'm not, but I'm just glad that you are working on that. I think that'll be great. So thank you. All right, excellent. Thank you. Next up is Jerry. I had a dropout. Did you just call me? Kevin? I did. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, timing. Uh, well, just a big thanks to uh, to Dan and Scott and um, and Pat for all the all the bug fixes on the display uh, on the uh, file system stuff and the USB stuff. It's really it really is coming together great. All right. Excellent. And that is hug reports. Thank you, everybody. So next up is status updates. Status updates is an opportunity for us to sync up on what we have been doing over the last week and what we will be doing over the next week. Um, take a couple minutes, talk about a project you're working on, uh, code that you're writing, um, any kind of thing uh, that you would like to let us know about. This is our chance to hear what the community is up to as well, which is one of the greatest things about this meeting is um, the fact that we get to hear from all sorts of people about all kinds of things, um, as well as allowing us to sync up um, about the core. Um, the community side of things is very important to us. So this will also be a round robin where I will start and then go alphabetically. Again, there are some notes that um, for people who aren't in the meeting, and I will read those off. Um, in alphabetical order as well. Uh, so when I call your name, uh, feel free to let us know what you've been up to, take a few minutes, talk about it. Um, and if we do come up with anything that sounds like it needs a more long-form discussion, you can feel free to add it to In the Weeds and we can talk about it after we get to everyone. So I will get started. Uh, last week, um, I finalized the PyCon CPX demo code and got everything ready for flashing the CPXs. Um, there's a, a series of default files and we have to have the whole image, um, basically not, it's not an image, but the whole set of files that are gonna be flashed to uh, the Circuit Playground Express all in one place, tested, ready to go. Um, and that's where we're at. Uh, Phil is going to be testing it um, and he's great at breaking things. So uh, if he can't break it, um, we're definitely set to go. Um, I also spent the weekend working on PyCon Open Spaces example content. Uh, we want to have um, an aggregate place for as many examples as possible um, so people can really take the time to explore their Circuit Playground Expresses in the way that makes the most sense to them um, and to uh, use the features on it that are most interesting to them. So we uh, created a PyCon 2019 um, GitHub repo, and we're going to be uploading all of the content to there. We'll have a quick start worksheet um, that has a few examples on it, but it's much easier to deal with code when you're on your computer than it is to be typing code off of a worksheet, uh, which we learned from experience. So we're going to have all of that uh, available. Um, I'm still not finished with that. Uh, there's still a bit more to do, but uh, I made some pretty big headway this weekend on that, um, so that should be good. Uh, and in the previous part of the week, I updated the Seesaw guide for Raspberry Pi to use Blinka, deprecated a thermocouple guide that was still using um, 
old Python libraries. Um, I finished the VAML 7700 guide, so that's all set to go uh, for the board that was released. I finished the BMP 388 guide, um, which we had already released but didn't have a guide for, and updated the TPA 2016 guide with the circuit Python um, usage after writing the library for that. This week, today is Library Monday, um, so I'll be going through library stuff, um, cleaning up anything that needs to be cleaned up, uh, taking care of anything that needs to be done there. Uh, throughout the week, I will continue to work on uh, PyCon content. Um, I'll be finishing up the AD8495 guide. Um, it's a product we've had for a while, but we just never wrote a guide for it. So um, I have most of the pieces ready to go. I just need to uh, finish writing the guide. Um, we're going to be doing a guide for the ESP32 SPI uh, library for the Huzzah breakout, um, which is on my list. And then as well on my list is eventually to update the e-ink guide to work with all the available chipsets because there are a lot of chipsets on the various e-ink displays that we have. Um, so we'll be getting that guide going and update it uh, so that it works with all available uh, e-ink displays. And that is what is on my plate. Um, let's hear from maker Melissa. Okay, um, last week I finished the SSD 1331 display IO driver. Um, I made changes to core circuit Python to allow the SSD 1331 to work with display IO. I added uh, a new display size the 480 by 128 uh, size to the CircuitPython RA8875 library. I uh, worked on CircuitPython memory and file system bug hunting. I did some code reviews and I did a lot of Arduino display library TLC. Um, this week I am going to work on some PyPortal calculator stuff, work on the Featherwing library some more. I'm going to look into adding e-ink displays to Display.io and um, I'm going to do some more Arduino library TLC. And that's it. Excellent. That is fantastic. Um, lurking, lurking, and uh, that means next up is Sedacious. Hey, so last week I was uh, sick and working on library stuff uh, with Katni and Lamore's help. I was able to figure out how to use the uh, Eagle to Fritzing tool to make sweet Fritzing diagrams for boards. Uh, so I did that for the INA 260 and got done. Um, so, and then over the weekends, I assembled my LPS 35HW breakouts. So I'll be uh, working on that this week. Um, and then I was also able to finally, finally, finally put together the uh, CP32 board that I made for uh, Scott. And in doing so, found a bug, which required me to carve out a via. But hey, it works now. Um, so I'll be flashing that this week and sending it off to him. And then so the, for the rest of the week, I'll be doing driver work for the LPS35 and probably getting started on the guide for that and maybe some other board work as well. So that's it for me. All right, excellent. Next up is Summersoft. Who 
who is text only. So I will read this off. Last week, NRF PDMN did some work to implement the sync filter. A number of representations look better, but the audio is still garbage. Still working my way through understanding DSP filtering. Latent hug to Audacity for including raw data processing. Working on NRF audio out may have been a better, first may have been a better idea. Haha. <laughs> Adabot, updated libraries list started, but the plan is changing, so that's on hold. Did a fairly big refactor, moving common use functions to their own file. Also moved the C CircuitPython library validator functions um, to their own file to ease maintainability. All of this also has the goal of easier expansion in, for the future. Began learning and playing around with GitHub API version 4, GraphQL versus REST. It's interesting. Requests require more thought and construction, but the flexibility with what you get out of one request is pretty awesome. Should cut down on execution a lot. I may be requesting authorization to use GitHub's GraphQL Explorer on Adafruit repos this week. I'm just not sure who the request is sent to. This week, PDMN continue tweaking the sync filter. Adabot, Adabot, Adabot. All right, and next up is Scott. Hello. Uh, as people have been alluding to, I've been doing a lot of work uh, bug hunting. Um, so I fixed an issue that I, there's so many bugs. I don't know which ones I've fixed and which ones are still pending. Um, one issue was that tile grid was not validating. If, if you use a single integer to give the index into the tile grid, it wasn't validating that the, it was within range. And so I had some code that I had written for the Celeste.py stuff that was going above and beyond the range. And there before I was writing memory, I shouldn't have been. It was crashing really fun, uh, like overwriting the file name qstring index so that when it, yeah, it was it was really weird and it was very finicky to reproduce, but I figured that out. Um, interesting tidbit, I found it by doing the memory visualization stuff to figure out what was before the memory that was being corrupted. And I noticed that with my Celeste.py, the, the objects are so big that I think the entire heap is being counted as long-lived. Um, so I think there is some work to be done there with gaming about uh, making sure that our, our long-lived behavior works okay when we're reaching the basically full. Uh, so we'll see how that is. Um, and then I also fixed an issue that was crashing that Lamore was seeing a bunch where... Uh, when we do a handoff of some of the, the display stuff from when the VM's running to when it's not running, we were checking against uh, the board, the shared I squared C object, and we were already using the pin that was causing us to raise an exception when we weren't running in the VM. So uh, I've got a PR out for that, and that should get in today, hopefully. And then uh, my approach this week is uh, I'll take a look at the issue list um, and but my goal is to get the celeste.py running slowly on the pi badge with display io um and i think it's just a matter of finding a lot of issues along that route um for example another issue i found was that tile grid was not validating whether the pixel shader object was actually a supported pixel pixel shader object i was giving it an array and it was not complaining and i was like that it that should be complaining it probably would crash at some point, uh, but it wasn't actually crashing. But I, I have that in some code somewhere. And then um, I was also trying to get the backlight working, and that wasn't working as well. So uh, lots of little small things, uh, 
that are kind of being exercised by by this celeste up high stuff so uh we'll keep bug hunting and hopefully hopefully we'll wrap that phase up soon and we'll get on to the release candidate but uh for now it's just uh finding and fixing bugs all right excellent good luck with all of that thanks <laughs> all right next up is brent hello uh, thanks, Scott, for the overview of bug hunting. It's interesting to hear what's going on behind the scenes. Um, last week, I published um, a Dymo scale and CircuitPython guide. Um, I wrote a new CircuitPython library called CircuitPython Lithics. It's a helper library for uh, Wi-Fi light bulbs. I started work on another Wi-Fi light bulb library called CircuitPython Hue, which is for the Philips Hue lights, which are more expensive, but I feel a lot more people have them. And I've just been going against API docs without the physical product, but I got the physical one and today, so I'll start testing it. Um, I updated Pi OLED and the OLED bonnet guides to use Blink as well. And then this week, um, this morning, I actually just sent in the PR. I added a more robust testing example for CircuitPython Adafruit IO. It's more towards what we use for the CircuitPython, uh, the Python Adafruit IO. Uh, library, it's to ensure that the CircuitPython library doesn't break when the API is changed, or that when people make changes to the core files that it doesn't break and everything shows back as expected. And we had like a lot of little examples, but I wanted one big one that ran a lot of tests and did code coverage. And then I'm going to finish the Hue module as well. All right. Thanks, Brent. Uh, next up is C. Grover. Well, let's see. Um, <clears throat> this last week I worked on the Pi Portal Weather Station project um, because I was having some problems with uh, JSON keys that were dynamically changing from one fetch to the next, and that was something at the source site. I think I found a reliable interim solution to that with try and accept, but probably not optimum, so I'm still learning about that. And I'm also on the Pi portal chasing down kind of a pesky intermittent issue regarding time updates. And I uh, haven't been able to capture the error or artificially trigger it yet, so I'm still investigating that one. Happens about every, oh, I don't know, 36 hours. So but we don't know where that's coming from yet. Anyway, I developed a mock-up of uh, helpers needed to implement my uh, range slicer um, OLED display using some old circuit Python um, version 3.3.1, I think that still had frame buff works well, but I'm ready to move on to display IO for better font control and reduce some display crowding. There's a, a video I posted here. I adapted uh, a Neo trellis M4 to fit in a Euro rack module space, which means I had to wake up a bunch of circuit Python code for that and get it working. And that was fun. Um, but now I'm looking at writing a driver for an SPI-connected dual 16-bit DAC so I can get more control over control voltages and the 16-bit audio. So it's a little scary, but I think I know enough about CircuitPython now to take a stab at it. So we'll see how that works out. So there's lots of learning on the horizon. And um, oh, by the way, I'm still wrapping my head around data structures in Python. That's another fun subject. All right. Thank you very much. Next up is Charles. I don't really have much of it in the way of an update, so. Okay. I'll ask. All right. That's fine. Next up is Dan. 
Okay, I did a lot of PR reviews. Um, we had some issues. We couldn't turn off rotary IO because there was some stuff in the peripheral SAMD separate repo that um, was uh, messing that up. So I refactored that and then Scott made me do it right instead of just in an expedient way, which was a good idea. Um, I included uh, tax USB fixes and tested those pretty thoroughly and they were working out very nicely. Um, I worked with Nick Moore on um, NRF. He's, he's had pull requests in for the real-time clock and NVM implementations on NRF, and those are in good shape. We're getting into being better shape now. We had multiple cases where builds would slightly overflow on large translations, and so there were several pull requests and uh, ancillary fixes that fixed those things. It might be in slightly better shape now than it was. Um, I did some thinking about asynchronous computing, and we'll talk about that in the weeds. Uh, Deshi Pu would like to talk about that as well. And I want to set up some kind of file system stress test so that maybe I take a Pi portal, say, and I write files to it every few seconds from a shell script and see, let it run for a while and see whether it crashes quickly or not and hook up a debugger to it at the same time to see if I can, we can ring out some more bugs. All right. All right, sounds good. Next up, Daishipu. Okay, so I made a few small uh, pull requests for display I.O., mostly exposing uh, some of the internals so that uh, we can hack on them easier. Uh, I wrote a very simple, uh, I started to write a very simple uh, Tetris game for the Halloween using Display I.O. And I noticed a problem with sound when I Display I.O. is being used. Basically, the, probably a problem with the uh, interrupt priorities in there. Uh, what else? Uh, next, I plan to uh, make my uh, micro game console compatible with display IO so that it uses the four wire uh, object so it can also display errors when, when errors happen. And uh, after that, I found some very nice examples for using DMA with SPI for, for the Sandy 21. So I'm going to try and make a micro game use that and see how it speeds up things. That's it. Excellent, thank you. Next up, I have Drew in the docs. So Drew Fistini says, hold on, time code. Um, for issue 20 on Adafruit platform detect, UDEV rules have been added by Robert Nelson to the beagleboard.org Debian customization package. So a Debian user can now read the board ID from EEPROM without being root. Uh, for Adafruit Blinka issue 100, I squared C is working okay on Pocket Beagle and no regressions on Beaglebone Black. Slight helped identify that spy index, spy device index, uh, changes between different kernels. A solution was created by Robert Nelson to have consistent indexes. It, I will work on making Blinka support the new scheme for Pocket Beagle and Beaglebone Black. I will also do additional spy testing. Next up is Jason P. Ooh. So as I mentioned, I have a, I'm making an HID controller using a Pi portal, and it's actually going to be used for switching uh, an ATAM a hardware switcher. 
uh, switches, camera feeds, and graphics, but originally started with the Cortex M or the uh, M4 Express, sorry, Metro M4 Express with just a TFT, and then switched over to Pi Portable. I think I want to make them work in both because there's some subtle differences, Metro and M4 separately, or the TFT separately than you do with the Pi Portal. Hopefully, we'll actually be testing that with the whole setup later this week. And then uh, one area that I could use some help there, some recommendations, is I'd like to write the project up. We want to share that here. Where's the best place to go document that? Okay. Um, have you, uh, you know, actually email Katney at Adafruit.com? Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see if I, what we, what we can do about that. Can do. All right. Excellent. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Next up is Jerry. Yeah, not a, not a lot to report. Uh, last week was mostly taken up by some house projects, so uh, hopefully get back in the, in the swing of things this week. I'm trying to remember what it was I did. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, we're happy to have you back, and hopefully your house projects went well. Yep. Excellent. Get there. <laughs> well, that's good. All right, and that is status updates. So next up we have In the Weeds. Uh, In the Weeds is a time for us to do some more long form discussion about uh, anything that you have questions about, wanna talk about. Um, if you have an In the Weeds topic, please post it to the chat or add it to the notes doc while we're talking so that we're not waiting around uh, with a lot of dead time um, for uh, that. And so first up, I have uh, an In the Weeds topic from Dishipu and Dan, um, if one of you would like to take that away. Okay, so the topic is uh, having uh, some way of, of doing uh, several things at once at the same time, or rather not at the same time, but uh, uh, like in an interleaved way with, with predefined delays or, or triggers that we could use. So uh, basically something like a scheduler or uh, interrupt uh, support. So uh, there is quite a bit of uh, discussion and examples and uh, things uh, in that issue that is linked in the, in the docs. And uh, most recently, I decided to try and, and write a very simple uh, asynchronous framework uh, that could handle just sleeping. Nothing else, no interrupts, no waiting on, on IO or anything like that, uh, just sleeping. And uh, so basically, the thing is, uh, I, I wanted to use the built-in Python asynchronous uh, keywords, which is async and await. And the way those keywords right now work in MicroPython, and they also worked like, like that in old versions of Python itself, uh, is that they, uh, if, you, if you add async to a function definition, it always makes that function into an iterator generator instead of a function. Uh, so uh, even if it doesn't have a yield inside of it, it will be an iterator generator that just has one step. 
and uh, uh, if you use await inside of any of those functions, it basically is turned into yield from, which uh, basically extends the current iterator with the contents of all the uh, iterations from the iterator you are calling. So it turns out that uh, those two changes are enough to have a, a kind of uh, parallel uh, uh, thing that's called as a, uh, that's called coroutines. So basically, those those iterator generators are then called coroutines, and then you only need uh, to add a small library that uh, basically lets you do two things. First of all, it provides uh, the main loop that that lets you call those coroutines in an interleaved fashion, and second, provides some uh, primitive that you primitive uh, iterators, basically that you can await on, like the uh, sleep one. So in this case, uh, and uh, it turns out that uh, a library that implements it, it's very simple to write. It's about maybe 20 lines of code. I, I pasted uh, an example uh, to, the, to the issue. And the question is, uh, do we want to go that way? And uh, what would be required to also add uh, like interrupt support uh, to that and maybe waiting on IO support to that. And uh, if not that way, maybe there is a better way we can we can go. So if if you have opinions, please. I, I think I'm really interested in this. I think there are a bunch of different ways to go. And we have some like different ways of thinking about whether it should be um, there are a bunch of examples like Curio and Trio, which are simpler than async IO. It's really worth reading the issue um, to see. So I'd like to see a bunch of experiments for this. I think maybe we need to turn on async uh, and await. I don't know if we should do it for 4.0, but um, we should maybe have a branch or something that available for that, or people can just play with it themselves. But if more people want to play with it, we could turn it on. Well, it's it's just a syntactic sugar. It's basically yield from. So you right, but I just don't know if that, from, right, turn on that feature. Did you have to enable that feature to try it, or is it already turned on? No, no, I'm just using yield from in my examples. Oh, oh, you're and, using uh, yield. It just works. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I I think that'd be very interesting to try this, and I think the the I've done a lot of reading on this, but. Have a have a very shallow understanding right now, and there are where these things came from. It, it's rather circuitous. It came from async IO, which was written kind of as a framework for doing kinds of these things, and also it was really had to do with web requests and network programming. And we have a very different emphasis. So I I've kind of I'm interested in trying this. Or you go ahead and try it. That would be great. I don't have time to do it like in the next week maybe or something. But also, people, kind of people that we want to talk to about this, such as the author of Trio or the original author of Trio, is going. They're going to be at PyCon, and so I might try to get in touch with them next month when I'm there. I've already started a thread with 
no answers yet on the trio discussion board and that's uh, there's a cross-reference to that in the issue so i think that would also be great to have some real use cases which i think are kind of like gaming and led control and neopixel control and maybe interrupt to some extent. We were talking about this earlier in an internal meeting and we said like, well, let's just not implement features. Let's have a use case. Let's have use cases. Like, what do we really want? And what do we yeah. really need? Yeah. And because people always ask for interrupts, but it turns out they can use polling or they can use cues or something. And so we, people ask for, ask for mechanism and what they want is a certain kind of functionality. And, um, yeah, so if you actually look, uh, if, if you look closely at those, all, all the uh, asynchronous frameworks for, for yeah. the big Python, uh, like Trio and, and uh, I think IO, and uh, what else is there? There is this uh, done by Bidley, uh, whatever. Uh, so they all use the same uh, built-in coroutines mechanisms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically what they differ in is the way you start the main loop and the way you add tasks to the main loop mm -hmm. and uh, in the way how they wrap the uh, input-output, well, basically all the blocking functions to make them asynchronous. So those are the two main differences. Uh, oh, and the, the way they implement the, the main loop, uh, like the, the, the loop that actually executes all the all the coroutines because they uh, in big python you have a lot of choice in there you have threads you have uh, you know you have green threads you have uh, whatever in case of uh, of circuit python i don't think we really have so much choice in that area because we don't have any kind of threads or green threads or whatever we just have to just call the coroutines one after the other and the only uh, leeway we have in there is to decide how to what scheduler to use for them basically mm -hmm. uh, so that that's one simplification that we have and second thing we don't have to wrap the input output functions that we want to be able to await on because we we control them so we can basically just make them uh, work with coroutines from the start in, on, on the sea level. Mm -hmm. Actually, we have to. Like, for example. If we want to. Um, so basically, all the SPI, we, we, we want to be able to basically select, uh, call select on uh, any of the circums, on the pin change interrupt, and maybe on the timers. So I would be great if you could, like, write up. Yeah, I'm, I'm right some, now. Some, I'm, some, some... Sample I'm using a, a simple, a simple library, a simple framework, basically extending the thing that I I posted in the issue. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling it meanwhile because mm -hmm. that fits very nicely. Like meanwhile, sleep or, or yeah, I I think that's uh, uh, that's a bit a bit long, but well, whatever. Uh, and uh, I want to add there, uh, for, for now I will make it poll for everything because we don't have this select mechanism. Yeah. But uh, I, be I believe that it can be later on easily replaced uh, with, with uh, if we have a select mechanism in there. Basically it's, it's just global flag somewhere 
that tells you if if uh, it's ready basically for for the operation you need. So for so now you, I will will yeah, be calling. And have you been working on this actually on the side, or it's sort of like since last night? <laughs> no, no, it's it's just uh, today. Uh, yeah, basically there is a, a holiday in Switzerland today. So I had some, some free time on that. Well, uh, the, the talk that I posted uh, in the issue is super interesting. It's basically how I want to do this. And uh, it's, it's, it has some live coding. It's very entertaining also. So I highly recommend that talk. And I think it explains the mechanism very nicely. Right. I watched that talk this, after, this morning, and I also watched um, the um the the trio talk from last year from PyCon. Uh, so yeah i think it would be worth like watching a bunch of these and and reading the trio guy has a bunch of interesting blog posts which yeah, i think uh, so worth... what another thing we could to look at uh is all the uh how the uh, twisted stuff because twisted yeah. is what had uh, asynchronous programming before python had it but I would be very interested also if you have use cases, like if you have a game or something that you want to write that would use this, I think it would really help flush out the yeah, actual... Basically, what I said uh, with, with the select thing, so that, that yeah. we want to be able to select on a circum, on a pin change, and uh, maybe on a, on a timer. Yeah, yeah. So I think... That's, that's all I, I can think of. And of course, we want to have this sleep. So if you if you write up some some code that you would like to have run, yeah, exactly. That we need that maybe we need some C code for something that would be great. I think that would because right. I'm also. I think we only need C code for this select code. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With a timeout. And I was I was really happy to see it. Um. I think this is a good discussion to have in a long term sort of way. And the, I think, Dan, the insight you had of like, look, a lot of this async stuff's for networking stuff, and that's not what we need. Like, I think making that distinction of why we need it is a really good first step. So the uh, thing is, once we have uh, uh, select on a, on a socket, on a, on a circum, sorry, uh, once we have a select on a circum, we can easily wrap a socket uh, for the ESP32 helper Right. Because it uses SPI, basically. Right, right. So we can just wrap that into uh, an OA table socket, and, and uh, that's trivial. So, and then that's all Python. We only need this one, uh, one thing which waits on a whole uh, list of, of peripherals uh, and returns the one, ones that are ready, once they are ready. That's, that's the only thing internally we need in C. Yeah, that's good. I'll post. Um, this is. I already referenced this, but I, I I'm trying to reach out to the trio people who seem interested in this in a general way, and not just their particular library. So, uh, I'll see if we get any responses. But I only posted it like last night. So. So they they may be able to help with the corner cases because what I explained is is the happy path basically. Yeah, there are a lot of corner cases when you get an error, for instance, from from uh, from the device. What do you do with the task? Do you cancel the task? Do you you know retry or whatever? Uh, what what happens when the user wants to uh, cancel a task? 
Right, right. We want that probably so the, the LED can stop blinking at some point and so on. So there are a lot of corner cases and those people probably have a lot of experience with them. So they can uh, help us with that. Well, thank you for thank you for looking at this and and correcting me and thanking you for taking the time to to like come up with a really simple library, which is what which is I think what we what we need for testing for for trying this whole idea out and making it as simple as possible because all these all these other libraries they either introduce weird terminology or they're complicated or some or they're too big or something like that and we can get away with something very small I think. Yeah, so I, I'm trying to use the same terminology as AsyncIO users yeah. or as your users, or at least I'm, I'm trying not to invent anything. Mm -hmm. We will see how this goes. Okay. The other, I had one other piece of feedback for that, um, is that I like the name when, but I dislike functions that don't have a verb in them. Um, I think this is something I've harped on a lot about properties and stuff where like, uh, beginners have like, when you're, when you're a beginner learning the difference between state and, and functions is it can be quite confusing. And this is one reason I push properties really hard is cause it's state. It's not, um, it's not a function. It's not a, an action you're taking. And, and I, think there were some examples in, in the when module that you wrote up, Dan, where it was like when interrupt, but like in that context, interrupt was, was a noun. It was like a, when this thing happens, not make this thing happen. Yeah. I think that's, that's fine. It could be like when, like I had when interval and it could be when repeat at interval or right where, when interrupt happens or whatever. Yeah. 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 So I would just like, yeah. I, I think you're on the right track for sure, but I would push you to to not break that that kind of rule of thumb of like functions should be actions, and that might mean you make it more declarative where you're doing more objects. Um, and I was brainstorming on the names as well. Like I like mix and intermingle or mingle, and um, also this notion of cause and effect. I think it's something that could be brought out of like here are all the things that are causes and here here's what the effect that these causes have um i think could be really interesting as well and i think i haven't looked at make code all that much but i think that's kind of what they're doing as well like here's all the things that that are that are causes of something and then you plug those causes into uh effects that they do yeah and then i was also thinking about how you run the main loop and how do you how do you say like at this point we're shifting paradigms whatever well, I think the way that Trio uses like um, context managers is kind of interesting, and we can it's we can copy that. But you, that's not in MicroPython. Yeah. So we yeah. only have uh, async function and await. Oh, we don't have async for and async with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They are a bit more complicated to implement. All right. Also, they require to actually have those coroutine objects and not just uh, the, the iterators like MicroPython has. Hmm. Uh, all right, okay. All right, well, that's that's important. Then we, we could decide whether to spend the time on that or not. Yeah, I mean, if you think that it would be clearer. Also, if you'd like to use the, the name when instead of meanwhile or something, that's fine with me also. You know, I just, I was... I, I kind of like meanwhile because it yeah. it's reminds me of comic books. 
and okay. it makes the profile cap <laughs> more cool, you know. The, the, the example name suddenly that I used in, in the example in yes. the issue also, also is a, from a comic book. So, so I, I like this kind of. Right. You know, Meanwhile, dot, 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 and it goes to the next frame. Okay, yeah, I get it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, Brent, I would I would push you on your example. For those of you who are just listening, it says when dot triggered pin number is high is pretty intuitive. Well, is it, are you returning an object? Like, are you creating an object or are you calling a function? Because it's not clear. Right, I passed in a function name and... Um... Yeah. Jesse Poo suggests no, no, it should look like a function call. Like it shouldn't be using callback names is confusing. So, and we can, because of the way these work, you can actually call them once at the beginning and it works fine. You don't have to mm -hmm. for calling them. So um, that's good because it lets you yeah. initialize them, for instance, with the pin number and stuff. That worked out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the, well, the only thing is, is what happens. Once it's triggered, right? Once it's triggered, how do you reset it so that it no? Uh, once you take the thing that, once you run that function, or is it to re-trigger itself? Or okay. It something like that, or it could queue. It could queue a bunch of triggers. It could be a queue, or it could just be a single shot thing, and that remains to be seen. I think that's those are right. the semantics we want to work out for something like interrupts. But what Deshipu wants to do is just even timing to be able to schedule things and and delay without blocking is very interesting. Basically. Yeah, the example that I uh, that I mentioned started to mention in the in my request for in the weeds is on the twenty oh uh, the twenty uh, the MCP twenty three oh seventeen device they have for each port they have an interrupt pin. Uh, an interrupt pin. Now I want to be able to pull those things and say, okay, if if one of these things triggers, then I have to read that particular twenty three oh seventeen because I'm trying to devise a way to convert multi octave keyboards. Aha. Mm -hmm. Multi octave. Uh, look at this and suggest some 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 straw man code. Like what would have what be helpful to you or pseudocode that would be helpful, I think. Okay, I will. I'll try to get that out to you as soon as possible. Okay. I have a I have a sort of a I I have wait a moment, I have I somewhere an a uh, Arduino implementation. See Arduino have, of course has interrupts, but if you could replace the interrupt with some kind of polling of those pins, it would you know, so that I know. So, so basically, with the await uh, ASIC and await uh, thing, you would uh, run a separate coroutine for each of those interrupts, and each of those will would wait for on for different interrupts. Yeah. Well, no. See, the the thing is, all I need to know is is if basically what I want to know is if any of the pins in any of the ports, any of the uh, I/O ports changes changes whether it goes high to low low to high it doesn't matter because then what i would do is read it read the uh data and you know create the appropriate note ons and note offs 
Um, yeah, sure, sure. But uh, the way you would implement it in this particular model, you would have separate several coroutines, each waiting on a on a separate pin, uh, and uh, then inside that coroutine, once it finishes waiting on that interrupt, you set some flag or whatever that tells you which which of the pins it was, and so on. Yeah, so that's the way to do it. do it that way too. Uh, but what I was just going to do, uh, what I was just going to do basically is grab the data byte. You know, if if any of the pins in pins, I grab the whole data byte and figure out basically. Process. Yeah, that's the efficient way to do it. That's true. Because then, because it may the point being is. You may press multiple keys with one in one within one octave at the same time, so I have to process the node ons and node offs. Yeah, that's true. That's and my so, specific. That's my specific use case for this whole course. thing. Uh, so I posted what I have for now in uh, uh, in this meanwhile. Uh, library. It, right now, it can only uh, wait on sleep, so it's the only uh, thing that works. But you can see some structure there already, and uh, you can see the simple, simple test.py is an example of, of blinking two LEDs, basically. Uh, so, so maybe that that will help. And uh, I will try extending that with uh, polling of pins next so that you can uh, have like a simulated thank uh, you so what i can do is what i'm having basically have want to do is i want to take i basically each i basically want to take was it i think it's four four uh mcp 23017s Oh, oh, zero one seven. That's the I two C version, and just uh, and then just uh, you would have a loop. In that loop, you would wait on the pin to change, and after that, you would read the state from from the chip and, and do whatever you want yeah, to exactly. do. With it. That that way, I can just sit there. I can sit there in a loop, right? I can sit there in a loop, pull, pull the, the pull the, uh, the so basically the, the checking the interrupt will block, will block until the pin changes. So it basically sits there and waits until the pin changes. Yeah, but it can sit there in a loop, and if it needs to do, if I want to do else, the, uh, like uh, like send. Uh, also, you have to remember that. For what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to convert an old, um, starting a project to try to convert an old uh, organ, organ uh, uh, console to would be to output MIDI, so I can use a uh, Hub Hubworks to uh, Hubworks organ virtual organ to create my sounds. So I'm not going to go into detail now uh, exactly what it is, but I'm just trying okay. to convert a key, uh, a single manual first to get it working. 
yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it will work well with that with that uh, paradigm. So uh, I, I will try to to add an example for that. Maybe maybe that will uh, clear things up a, a little bit. Yeah, that would help. Thank you very much. So, uh, Katni, so you don't need my into in the weeds anymore. Okay, <laughs> I'll leave it in there because we talked about it. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Um, we are uh, topping over an hour now, so I think it's a good time to wrap up. Um, this has been the Circuit Python Weekly for April eighth, two thousand nineteen. This will be put up on YouTube uh, once we're done. Um, so if you are, uh, if you miss it, and you are looking to check it out later, that is where um, that is where you will find it. Um, as well, we are on uh, podcasts, so check your favorite podcast um, provider and see whether or not it's there. If it isn't, let us know so we can get that taken care of. Um, and with that, uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who participated, um, and we will see you all next week.